It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your post-game Buckeye Talk. One game in the book. Ohio State victorious over Notre Dame. 21 to what, 10? Yeah, that was it. How can I not know the score, Nathan? There weren't that many points. So Ohio State wins. We're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about that first. Then we're going to talk about the offense. And then we're going to talk about how this compares nationally, because that really matters. And we're constantly trying to put the Buckeyes in context. And you have to do that on a day like this, even though I think it's kind of difficult. You're kind of in a weird spot. And guys, um, I said after the game, like games like this are just a little weird because they certainly didn't play that well on one side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, they played pretty darn well. They beat a top five team, but they really were in a position to almost lose. And then they all come in afterwards and say, we were tough and we fought, but for three quarters of the game, you felt like, I don't know if they're going to win when they have more talent. So Nathan, I, you know, it's not about us. It's just about for fans trying to wrap your head around this. And we're going to jump right into the defense and how good that defense was. Is it hard to get a handle on this or how do you think the vibe should, should be? A little bit. We were talking about this on our way back up from the field after the game that a lot of the conversation around college football in general, and we we had fed it, was that there was three teams that were out ahead of everybody else and then like another tier of teams behind that. And that's where Notre Dame was. You could throw some other teams in there, Clemson, Michigan, handful of other teams. And but the, the, the top three had separated or were going to separate and, and everybody else was playing for that fourth spot. And I don't think I feel that way after this game. Steven, is that fair? Do you agree with that? I don't know if I agree with that. I understand where the sentiment is coming from. Um, I just think we got to see Ohio State play real football and we're not going to and kind of saw Georgia get a chance to play real football. I don't think we've seen Alabama play real football yet. So I don't know if we can say that about them, but. I just think it's week one. Some things were good. Some things were bad. You chalk it up to what it is right now. You sound like a coach. I do sound you like chalk a coach. You chalk it up it, to what it is. Yeah, you it, it sounded, okay. it sounded annoying it coming out of my – yeah, it sounded annoying coming out. But we don't like, chalk stuff up on Buckeye Talk. We don't chalk up nothing. Um, all right, let's – but let's talk about – let's talk about the side of the ball that everybody was super, super duper interested in, and that is this defense. This defense – 
gave up a 54-yard catch and run on the first play of the game that if a tackle was made and I went back and I was just starting to rewatch it a little bit. We're recording this at 1.57 in the a.m. Saturday night, Sunday morning, by the way. It's an eight-yard gain if Josh Proctor makes a tackle. He misses the tackle. It's a 54-yard gain. And then my call got down to business and basically stopped that drive in its tracks before it could get going with two, st- two stops for the next two plays. You, this was like a Larry Johnson technique school in action. That first snap after the long run, they had like a weird penalty after it too. JT Tumaloa and Mike Hall just hand fought their dudes like they were the karate kid. JT like did that thing where like you grab the guy and then like use his weight against him and pull him and throw him off to the side and got right to the quarterback. And Mike Hall is just like absolutely using like a little swim move inside and just slipping past dudes. Nathan, they locked it down. Then they gave up one drive after that, and that was it. And I thought Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame quarterback, making his first career start was pretty good. They didn't ask him to do a ton. Their receivers are limited. But it wasn't about that. I didn't didn't think like, oh, the first-time quarterback got shook and was terrible. I thought this was about the Ohio State defense doing work. How enthused should Ohio State fans be about this defensive performance? even though we had spoken about the offensive limitations that Notre Dame has, I still think Ohio State fans should be pretty enthused about this performance. And one of the reasons is, ironically, I think that botched play kind of set an important tone in two ways. Number one, they came out and were aggressive right from the first snap, you know, blitzing off the edge with Denzel Burke. And I mean, again, I, that this also sounds like a coach to me. I think it was crazy to blitz the corner on the first snap of your defensive career, and you gave up a 54-yard play. So I just want to throw that out there because, like, they did a thousand. This was the worst thing they did the whole game was this play. So then it's like the tone setter and gave them confidence and showed that that like showed confidence. Are you gonna let me finish. I thought it was. Are you gonna nuts. let me finish? You let me yeah, finish we talk about what about? a great we, we're talking about what a great defensive performer it is. And your main point off the top is it showed confidence to blitz the corner and give up a 54 yard play in the first play of the game. Well, again, if you let me finish what I'm saying instead of just jumping Start into with the yourself talk part, I am I'm getting to the important part. Jesus preamble 54 yard play. And then so, yes. No, and again, as you just said, it was a there was somebody who blew a tackle there. It wasn't completely the scheme that led to or the call that led to that play being had. But then what happened after that play? You know, last year, this was a defense that kept folding in on itself. This was a defense that couldn't correct mistakes and that when things started rolling downhill, couldn't stop them, whether that was Oregon or Michigan or even some other games that ended up happen, happening to win. And this defense responded in an adverse situation there, as you're saying, the defensive line stepped up and choked off that and held them to a field goal there. And aside from one more drive, really, I mean, that game was controlled by the defense. 10 for 18 for 177 for Tyler Buckner, Michael Mayer, the tight end who I was worried about for six months, five catches, 32 yards. Jim Knowles talked about Steven. They played like, you know, they were under him. They were over him linebacker and a safety. They talked about, he said, we talked about that all the time. And he even pointed out some plays where they did that. Nobody else on the team had more than one catch. We knew that their receivers were limited. Uh, Buckner, 11 for 18 on the ground. The rest of the team ran it 19 times for 58 on the ground. They really shut down the run game, Stephen, and they shut down the tight end. And that was really all Notre Dame 
was going to be able to try to do and Notre, and Ohio State took it away. I think one of the impressive parts is I think there was one point where Tyler Buckner was like eight for eight, which means he finished the yeah. game two for two of ten. So they shut that down as well. I mentioned this on the pregame pod, and as we'll continue to talk about this defensive line when we get into this, but the big thing was Ohio State stopped the run. They didn't get pushed around at the line of scrimmage and let somebody run up their gut the entire game. And because of that, it took away a lot of what Notre Dame wanted to do. And you're right. They held Mike, Michael Mayer in check. Out, the only thing he really did was when Ohio State got caught with Cameron Brown on him and yeah. tied in on cornerback, tight end's going to win that. And even then, it's like Cameron Brown did the best he did. He b- tried to bat the ball, but Michael Mayer's bigger than him, so he caught it. And then he fumbled it and picked it back up. But outside of that one play, they constantly had the right answer for Michael Mayer in coverage. Notre Dame was never going to come in and run it like their best running back. Isn't a really a between the tackles kind of guy, Nathan. So, well, but we, we but, did, we talked about the run, like the run defense is really good. And Jim Knowles was really happy with it. And that's really important. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like when they face a team that runs a little better, but this was a really good offensive line and the defensive line dominated. Yeah. I, I will say though, like if you, if we had asked before the game, said before the game, what is the strong suit of this Notre Dame offense, we would have said the offensive line. Yes. And now Jared Patterson didn't play tonight. So that was a huge absence for them. Oh, but, he, did, he did not play then, huh? After you I don't were believe on, so. like, injury watch the whole time. Cause like, it was like, is he going to play? So he didn't play. Yeah. That's like, it's like their best offensive lineman didn't play. Okay. That matters. Yeah. But, but still and, they have to, yeah, I don't, I, I know he didn't start and I don't believe he ever played. So, um, but uh, the whole offensive line is actually pretty good. They've got a lot of return. I'm just saying that coming into this game, I actually did expect them to lean on the ground game and listening to Marcus Freeman after the game, that was the plan was to come in, run the ball and just reduce the number of possessions that Ohio state had. I think, you know, that you're never going to stop Ohio state in every possession, but you know that if you reduce the number of possessions, I think Notre Dame had more confidence in its defense in that situation than for instance, Minnesota was a year ago. Cause you remember Minnesota did that a year ago and it didn't matter because Ohio state kept breaking off game breaking plays. I think Notre Dame knew that if it came in and ran the ball, it could limit Ohio state's offense enough to keep it in the game. And it did that for most of the game. But when, but when Ohio state then flipped it on them late, the defense shuts them down. Ohio state gets the lead and now forces them to have to make plays in the air. Notre Dame couldn't convert. And, and they did shorten the game. Like Ryan day came in right off the back and was like, how many possessions have we had? We didn't have that many possessions. So they had, 11 drives, but one of them wasn't, was just like the end of the half. So really only 10 drives. And the last one was just kind of eating up clock at the end of the game. So really only like nine drives in the whole game where they where Ohio state was trying to score. And that was three touchdowns, a missed field goal and five punts. And, and one of the reasons they only had nine real drives that matters because one of the drives took up seven minutes and went like 95 yards or whatever it was like, it was like this ridiculous um, icing the game drive, Steven, when they needed it, they did it. So I do think when we look at things like 21 points, which by the way, is only 14 more than Iowa scored Iowa, that is the most competent offense in the country and on a field goal and two safeties, Ohio State only had 14, like midway through the fourth quarter. So, like, if I'm going to rip Iowa all day, I guess I should note that Iowa, Ohio State only had 14 midway through the fourth quarter. But, 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 but Iowa no, was playing no, South Dakota no, State. No, no, only no, no. points. 20 no, points is not a lot. It's you not, but you, can, you can't go. Iowa had only seven points. I, no, I understand what you're getting at, but you can't go. 
Iowa only had seven points, and if Ohio State's only going to score seven, I might as well make fun, get on them too. About I can it. say whatever I want. So, but the, but, the, talk. but the I, Iowa's defense the outscored point, its offense. The it did no, its offense was putrid, without scoring like, a touchdown. But like this, literally. So, so, so Ryan Day, Ryan Day immediately noted limited drives. So the idea of Notre Dame's trying to like slow the game down. Ryan Day noticed that, and that works. So when we're looking at, hey, how come you didn't score more points? I do think we have to take into account how many drives you had. But if you had nine real drives, you had five punts, three touchdowns, and a missed field goal. No Ruggles missed a very makeable field goal. Stephen, they also weren't, you know, and we'll get to the Ohio State offense, but like in the end, it's sort of what Notre Dame, it's one of those things like a basketball game. Notre Dame sort of dictated pace, right? And the, you played sort yeah. of like a Notre Dame style of game and Ohio State still won it by 11 points. But Notre Dame, they didn't run it well, but if the goal was, well, we don't want to let C.J. Stroud in this passing game run up and down the field, you know, they did slow it down a little bit. In a weird way, yes, but yes and no, because he said all that, but also Ohio State ran 21 more plays and, and won the time of possession battle. So, like, the numbers say that much. I think it was just more of they lost Jackson Smith the Jigba and things got weird. If they don't lose Jackson Smith the Jigba, maybe they're, the, the, this, these numbers, look, especially the score, looks a little bit different because just looking at the raw numbers, Ohio State dominated this game in the places that you would want a oh, team to dominate I, these games. What raw numbers? Raw uh, Time of possession, Ohio State has that by almost five minutes, well, more than five minutes, and they ran 21 more plays than, than Notre Dame did. Notre Dame ran, ran less than 50 plays. So here's what happened. So, Nathan, did you think at some point Ohio State might lose? Oh, sure. Steven, did you think they might lose at some point? When they were yeah. trailing at halftime and they were, they went ahead with 17 seconds left in the third quarter. They yes. put together their last two drives of the game. They put together a 10-play, 70-yard, 4-minute and 43-second drive to score on the Xavier Johnson touchdown pass with 17 seconds left in the third quarter. And then the, when they got the ball back with 11.57 left in the fourth quarter, they went 14 plays, 95 yards, 7 minutes and 6 seconds, Nathan. So you're talking about, Stephen, like the time of possession on all the plays. Until like the end of the third quarter, that wasn't yeah. true. They dominated the fourth quarter. They wore Notre Dame down. The offensive line did work. They did what they needed to do when the game was on the line. That's what Ohio State does a lot. A game is close, and then when it comes to winning time, Ohio State wins. So, Nathan, I, I don't disagree like, with what Steven's saying when you look at those raw numbers, but through three quarters, or, th- or two and a half quarters at least, it wasn't that. They didn't dominate the first two and a half. They dominated the last quarter, the last quarter and a half, which is what great teams do. That's the mm-hmm. whole point. Yes, we agree with that. But it wasn't like they were doing that the whole game. For a while, it was like Notre Dame would kind of try to slow it down a little bit, and then Ohio State would get the ball and punt. And then Notre Dame would get the ball and try to move the ball a little bit and slow it down, and Ohio State would get the ball and punt. That was the point, Nathan, where it felt like, well, so Ohio State defense is playing really well, but it feels like a Notre Dame style of game, and the Buckeyes can't get anything going. Well, we get, you got to talk about how just precarious even the go-ahead touchdown was because they get in the red zone, except then – they get that chop block call, which I think was against Trevion Henderson. Does that? Do you guys? No, I don't remember. Note of that time, but I thought I thought it might have been against Henderson. Well, and it's then, usually the lineman's engaged and the running back tries to block that. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
now it's second and 21 from the Notre Dame 34. And the first catch of Xavier Johnson's career gets them 10 yards, but it's still third and 11 from the Notre Dame 24. So you're at this point, this is not a crisp passing game. Ohio State is one down away from now entrusting Noah Riggles, who already missed from 39, to now make from 41 yeah. to tie this game at 10. And instead, Xavier Johnson makes the biggest catch of his life and then comes down and makes the the tackle on the kickoff to set a tone there and it changes the complexion of the game. But <laughs> before that moment, before that that sequence – I mean, this game is still in Notre Dame's control with less than a minute left in the third quarter. And we've, we've lost the threat on the Ohio State defense, which is what we were starting with. But we did move into, did you think they were going to lose the game? Kind of a crazy person, double safety blitz by Al Golden at that point on third and 11, when I thought they had done a decent job of like playing coverage and making it tough on CJ and making yeah. them double clutch a little bit and nobody was open. And then they, they blitz both safeties play zero coverage and leave like the slot guy on the former walk on and he beats him for a touchdown. That was a little bonkers. But, um, but, but, but by that, at that point, Steven, that was the defense before that drive, right? Before these two drives mm-hmm. were talking about the defense is keeping them alive and the defense is keeping Ohio state alive because they're doing that four sophomore defensive line at times with Tyler Williams and Mike Hall and Jack Sawyer, JT Tumaloa. We see that they're keeping them alive because Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers kind of got after a little bit, right? They seemed to play pretty well. Ronnie Heckman got after a little bit. The corners were fine. They weren't really tested, frankly. I mean, like there wasn't a lot of work for Denzel Burke and Cam Brown to do in this game. You don't get much of a vibe on that. But the safeties kind of did what they needed to do. They had good coverage on Mayer. And they did give up the one decently long drive. It was a 10, it is a long drive. 10 plays, 87 yards five minutes and 10 seconds. That's the one Notre Dame touchdown drive. They kind of just, they worked them a little bit on that. But after that, Steven, you know, they weren't going three and out that much. They had Notre Dame had um, the, the, the big play and then the field goal in the first drive. Then they went three and out, three and out touchdown drive. Mm-hmm. And then they only had um, two more three and outs the rest of the game. They had a five play drive, a six play, a six play, a five play. So they weren't exactly, they weren't completely shutting them down, but they weren't really letting them get, something going you and I were sort of talking during the game Stephen like it felt like well you know they'd make a big play then they kind of leave open a 15 yard play over the middle that kind of thing right but they never broke mm-hmm. they never broke again after that first 54 yarder out of the barn to start the game and they they never broke while always being on the attack it felt like right they never got passive but the attacking nature never caught up with them and that's a pretty good feeling right because I, listen people want their team to win. They also want their team to win the way they're in the mood for their team to win. And we're going to get into that more later (laughs) at the moment. The Ohio state fan base is in the mood for the return of the silver bullets. They're in the mood for a defense that dictates that doesn't react. They're in the mood for aggression and dominance and tackling guys in space. And all of that felt like it was there. We've seen two styles of bad defense from Ohio State. We've seen the boom-bust bad defense, which is what a lot of 2018 was, um, where it's like sometimes we're going to get a TFL or sack, but the other times we're giving up a 20-yard big play for a touchdown. And then we saw the bend, don't break, but it actually doesn't work. You're just bending and bending and bending out the other teams working you down the field, which is what 2021 and 2020 were. 
this is an interesting place to live because we've also seen the bend don't break and that actually work. And that was 2019 because you had Chase Young. Now, as you just described, we're seeing the, we're going to bend every so often, but we're also going to attack you a lot. We're not just going to sit back and dare you to see if you can drive on us because we're more talented than you. And so that's something I'm interested to watch with Jim Knowles and this defense now that we know what it looks like to an extent. Um, But overall, the big difference between this year and last year and maybe a game like Nebraska where the offense didn't show up, the defense was better than the offense. Last year, that was an insult to the offense. This year, that's a compliment to the defense. There's, there's two points I want to make. Nathan, let's go here first. How many Did you feel like there were individual guys on the Ohio State defense where you would watch and say, ooh, that looks like a good defensive player now to me? And maybe oh. it's not just one or two. Absolutely, there were tonight. Maybe like eight, yeah. right? Which is I mean, like mm-hmm. when a lot of times last year we're like, well, who's going to make the play? I think you have some candidates tonight who are making plays. Yeah. Does Ohio State win this game last year? Boy, oh boy. That's what, a good uh, what, uh, what, uh, this point of the season? No. Cause he's, no. Like, do they shut down a team like Notre Dame enough if the if this offense is struggling. I mean, I, they probably get a little more gashed in the run game. They're probably not as effective. They don't have as good of a plan for Mayor, and I don't think they have as many guys running to the ball and making plays in space. I don't I, and the defensive line wasn't as good. No, but because no, maybe no, not. No, because the opponent would have had at least 24 points. That's the difference is and that's the thing about the offense is usually when this happens and the other team isn't scoring, you're going, all right, the opponent's playing with fire because eventually this offense is going to start clicking, and then you're in trouble. The offense never really started clicking, but they weren't ever really in trouble because the defense just kept getting stop after stop after stop. So that's the difference is, you know, some of those Notre Dame, especially those drives that weren't three and outs, are probably touchdowns or at least field goals. But I think there's some guys people can go. I thought Steel Chambers was on the attack. This year, I yeah. Thought, I thought Lathan Ransom was on the attack. Um, it's interesting looking at the. De- I think we all feel like the defensive line played well. Ohio State had three sacks. Two were by Tommy Eichenberg. Which yeah, is blitzes. blitzes. Yeah. One was very. I, everybody remembers. I think the first one. It's like they just blitzed anyone, and the other one was my call. So no sacks by the ends, but they did feel like they were making plays right, and they were winning their matchups, and they were clogging up running lanes. Um, but Nathan, I think if you. If we went through the defense last year and said, okay, there's 11 guys on the field, how many are up to the Ohio State standard of talent and execution? I think sometimes you would have said five, right? I don't know. I think tonight if you would go through, there's 11 defensive guys in the field right now, how much are, how many are up to like the Ohio State standard, whatever you think that standard is, which is high, right? We, not ever whatever you think. The Ohio State standard for defense is high. That's what people want it to be, including the program. And I think there's just more guys that you would have said, yes, that's good enough. Well, yeah, I think when you start talking about guys like uh, Josh Proctor, I know we talked about him, you know, blowing that tackle, but like when 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 Josh Proctor's and Cody Simons are the ones who are having more trouble getting on the field, kind of having to wait their turn, rather than last year where you thought that the 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 line between competent and not was so razor thin. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just that that alone tells you how far that they've come. And I think the it is worth remembering that we talked about this in the in the prediction pod too. that like we shouldn't get too far. Like 
be enthused about the defense coming into it. You could be optimistic about the defense, but also probably recognize that there's going to be some growing pains and that they're going to, they're still figuring this out. They've had eight months, I know, but it's different when you go put it on a field against somebody. And then now that's almost like the reason for the most optimism is this is what they did out the gate. Mm. Like, what are they going to do once they've actually played with this defense now in games? They've game tested it now. Now they've got real film to go test it against. And the guy's got real experience in these roles. Jack Sawyer really got to do the Jack thing. And it, some of these other things happened really for the first time in a, in a game situation. I think that it's that's a valuable commodity now to try to apply in, in the, the, just one week ahead, let alone three, four, six. It was good to see the players that the coaches have been bragging about for nine months actually live up to all of that. Whether it was, I mean, stop, Tommy Eichenberg had nine tackles and three TFLs and two sacks. Who would have thought that a year ago that he'd have a game like that? That wasn't a Utah where they're running the ball 40 million times. Lathan Ransom, I mean, I asked about Lathan Ransom earlier this week and uh, earlier last week, and, and, and Jim Knowles gushed all over him. He got out there, basically stole Josh Proctor's job and was second on the team in tackles. I mean, Steel Chambers was, as you already mentioned, was attacking. Ronnie Hickman was attacking. All these players that Jim Knowles has been gushing about every time we've asked him about them, they all showed up. All right, let's take a quick break. I want to talk about more about, about this uh, Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor situation. Next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Past 2 a.m. Saturday night, Sunday morning. You can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. We didn't look at the text post game. We didn't have time, but uh, we'll get to them. We'll look at them for sure. And we certainly were texting out a lot of things during the game. So you would have gotten some information during that i don't know if this is a line in the sand but josh proctor who was very enthused about coming back from his injury and was feeling good at safety interviews a couple weeks ago and clearly seemed like one of the two starting safeties even though jim Knowles, as steven said was saying great things about lathan ransom steven i don't know like if he just lost his job for good tonight he he flew up so the, the corner blitz comes, Denzel Burke blitzes. That leaves Josh Proctor in charge of Lorenzo, Lorenzo Styles. They throw an eight-yard pass, and he just overshoots the tackle, and it's an extra 46 yards. Lathan Ransom played the next series, and he didn't come off the field. It's not an injury. Jim Knowles confirmed that. And there was like a short-yarded situation where they had three safeties in where they had McAllister out, and they had Proctor, Hickman, and Ransom in there together. Um these are the kinds of things that fans 
we have been very interested in in the past. Fans have been very interested in. Don't be afraid to make a change if a guy, if a change needs to be mm-hmm. made for the good of the team. And Jim Knowles was pretty matter of fact about it. And I don't know if Josh Proctor's going to start again, Nathan. Well, listen, I thought this was something we, we brought up back in the spring that, you know, when you get a new staff that comes in, they don't have the same loyalties to these guys that the previous administration did. Like they didn't recruit these guys, you know, they owe them a fair chance, but there's no connection beyond that. And I think that Jim Knowles has a lot at stake and Lathan Ransom has been building a real trust with the way that he worked to come back. Not that obviously Josh Proctor had to do the same thing, um, different stage of the year, but like it's, it's palpable the way Lathan Ransom has like affected people on that defense. I think like the respect that they have for him and the way he fought his way back. And beyond that, the way Jim Knowles talks about him again, you're always kind of reading between the lines. You know, what does he say? Like he, he can recognize a play and then go fix it, go do what he has to do. Just go do the basic thing. He made one of the things that Jim Knowles talked about post game was that sometimes it doesn't look exciting because it's just guys being in the right place but you can't underestimate how valuable that is for a defense how valuable that is for the confidence of a defense that guys are trusting each other that they're in the right place they did not have that trust last year and I think when he saw the first potential crack in that trust he made a move and when Ransom was doing his job why change I hate this because we're not going to actually find out the answer to this question for another two weeks until they play Wisconsin because everybody under the sun is going to play the next two weeks because of who they're playing. But this seemed like Josh Proctor started. He didn't play well. He went to Lathan Ransom. Lathan Ransom was doing his job, and you can't afford to mess around when you're playing a top-five opponent and you're trying to win the game. So as he said, he rode the hot hand. The hot hand was Lathan Ransom this time. Does that mean against Wisconsin, we should expect Lathan Ransom to be the starter and play all the adjuster minute snaps that are meaningful? Maybe. Or this could flip against Wisconsin. We're like, Lathan Ransom's out there and he misses a guy. And now Josh Proctor's out there and he's the hot hand. So he plays all the adjuster snaps, but he's not rotating for the sake of rotating. It's if this guy gets hot and he's doing what he's supposed to do and helping us win this game, he's staying on the field. I could care who else is behind him or in front of him. Hickman is the adjuster. I don't know. Oh, man. those guys are the bandits. The other yeah, guys they're are both, the bandits. They're, they're in the end. Yeah. The adjuster, the names are cool. The high, yeah, the high safeties. So Ransom came in for Proctor. Hickman didn't leave the field. McAllister played most of the game. My whole Court Williams thing was nothing. Court Williams didn't play on defense at all. I was totally Lathan was covering. Yeah, but Lathan was covering Michael Mayer at times. So. No, they they definitely moved guys through that. Hickman yep. was on him a few times. Uh, Denzel Burke and Cam Brown basically didn't leave the field. And so the whole like Jordan Hancock, is he healthy or not? I don't know. Maybe he's not. And that's why I didn't play, but they didn't take those guys out. And then at linebacker, they never played three. And it was, I don't know that Tommy, I did Tommy. I can, I don't that think because Cody Simon, no. it was like, Oh, we thought Cody Simon was like a mic. But Cody Simon came in at will for Steel Chambers, and it was Eichenberg and Simon together at times. I don't know that I ever saw Simon and Chambers. No. But it was like Eichenberg was in forever, and then 
it was probably maybe, I don't know, 70%, 75% steel chambers, 25% Cody Simon, but I don't think another linebacker took a snap. And then the defensive line rotated as we knew, but that's what Jim Knowles said, Steven, that like he does mm-hmm. at, at, leaving room for the hot hand. He said he doesn't want to rotate mm-hmm. in the back seven. The, you know, we saw a little splash of Cam Martinez, maybe for a play or two, but that's kind of what that's kind of what played out. So yeah. it feels like they might have their guys. Yeah, it, drastic difference from a year ago when they were rotating everybody into the sun. It seems like this team knows who their best players there are. We'll see with Jordan Hancock now that they've gotten this game out the way, and maybe they can work some younger guys in if it ends up being a three man rotation or not. But I'm pretty confident, feeling like Tommy Eichenberg and Ronnie Hickman are coming off the field. I did notice Hancock on the sideline without his helmet at one point. I hadn't been like watching it closely all game, but I, so I think I said this to our texters when I was sending out the status report that day sometimes kind of slow rolls the, the availability report or the injury report. He kind of like, we did this last year with some guys, seven banks where they're not on the injury report, but they're injured and they're not playing like for instance, Cam Bab. Cam Bab was not on the availability report tonight, but we knew Cam Bab wasn't going to play. They said a couple weeks ago he's out for a few weeks. So, like, I think that might have been the situation mm-hmm. with the corners. Like, if if a disaster had struck, they might have found his helmet. Um, Kalen Johnson did play at some point, but I don't remember That's if he was actually. Yeah. So it, you're right. It really was those top two guys. So is that defense good enough? We had a top 25, top 20, top 10, top five, top three, best in the country. I'm not asking Nathan what that defense looked like. Is that defense good enough for Ohio State to win a national championship, do you think, based off one game? Because that's it's only one game, but it's a heck of a lot information, more information than we had when it was zero games. If paired with the offense we think Ohio State is supposed to have, I, I guess we assume that for now. Is. Yes. 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 Okay. Then I think it might be because I've sell along. I think if you get in that like top 25 range with that offense, that should be good enough. Steve, is that good enough? Yeah, I think that might be better than top 25 if they did that. And Jim knows was talking about it was still kind of basic. The ends didn't have any, the ends didn't have any sacks. It doesn't mean they didn't have any pressure. They didn't even, I think they had like one hurry. So I don't um, know what but, that means though. When like, it's only technically one end. And Jack's like the well, Jack saying, who's literally just, moving all over the place. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats. I mean, yeah, like, I know. They only had they had three sacks. It was two by Tommy Eckenberg and one by Mike Hall. And then I'm looking at QB hurries, and it's like Mike Hall had one, and that was it. Only so, only, only 18 pass attempts though for Notre Dame. It's not like they had a lot yeah. of opportunities and there. And it's a, a dual, it's a dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. you play that differently than if you're teeing off on Aiden O'Connell, some kind of drop back pass or whatever. Yeah. But they did affect the game. They definitely affected the game. And I like they dictated. And so I wanted to talk about the individual things. I thought this was a, a line in the sand almost moment for Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is trying. Notre Dame's down 14, 10 in the fourth quarter. Notre Dame gets the, the offensive pass interference call that just short circuits their drive. And they're losing in the fourth quarter. And they kind of shut it down and they run Buckner on a couple different plays. I think they want to run Buckner on both second and third down, but whatever it was specifically, they kind of gave up and said, we don't want to force the issue. 
when we're behind the sticks, we'd rather, because we're in decent field position, I thought they very clearly made a determination. We'd rather make sure we don't turn it over and mm. we, or we don't get a sack or a strip sack. We're going to play field position and we're going to punt it to Ohio State, even though we're behind, because we think our best chance is to stop Ohio State and then get the ball back. And in that moment, they were Notre Dame was more afraid of the Ohio State defense than it was the Ohio State offense. And they kind of, I think it was first and 25. So I get it. But they like didn't throw. They didn't throw any, they weren't trying to get long chunk plays. And they punted it to Ohio State. And Ohio State went 14 plays, seven minutes, 95 yards, and marched down the field to ice the game. But at that point, Nathan, that's where the game was. We're more afraid of the defense than we are the offense. When's the last time that an opponent was more afraid of Ohio State's defense than it was Ohio State's offense? I guess maybe in 19, because everyone's afraid of Chase Young. But like not the last two years. I thought that was a very clear signal of where this is. And then, to the offense's credit, they got out of the shadow of the end zone and they marched down the field and the offense should have been something to be afraid of because they put the game away. But Notre Dame was very willing to punt that to them and say, we think we can stop these guys in a very important spot. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was 2019 because that was really more of a like damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. You had a very you know multifaceted, impressive offense that year with the defense, as everyone knows. So it's probably more like back during the Trestle era where you had a team that you feared more defensively than, than offensively. I, watching Marcus Freeman's postgame, uh, you know, he was he was mentioning the field position. And I think they kind of thought that they had Ohio State where they wanted them and had reason to believe that in some ways, because I'm not sure they thought that Ohio State would come out and run the ball, not just as well as they did, but as much as they did. We can talk about that a little bit. I mean, there had been the play calling will be something I'm sure that we talk about, if not tonight, then in, in the in the days leading into next week, because Ryan Day, I think, needs a, a better explanation on some of that. But they they had runs on that drive of like 12, 11, 15, 12, like these big gash runs. And Marcus Freeman used the word uh, heartbreaker. He said like that's a heartbreaker for a defense when you're giving up those big plays on the ground. I think it's one thing if you give them up in the air, but when you're getting gashed on the ground like four times in one drive like that, I, it, it just deflated them. So – Go, so that last drive that we're talking about, it, it is funny, Stephen, and we'll we'll go to the, we'll just dig in hard to the Ohio State offense here. Very, 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 very much the post game vibe from Ryan Day and everybody else was, we want ugly, we want to win this way, we want to win with the run game and defense, we want to prove we don't just want. One of his quotes was, "We don't just want to be talented." And I was like, "That sounds good. To just talented is fine." With I us. do. I mean, what's who cares about anything else? You're talented. Mm. What else matters? But we all know exactly what he's saying. He was out again, like all preseason. Let's not overdo it with the toughness stuff. And then Ryan Day in the postgame was like, let's talk about nothing but toughness. Who cares about what our recruiting rating was? Who cares that we had the number one offense in the country last year? We came out with our backup running back and jammed it down Notre Dame's throat in the fourth quarter. That's how we want to win. 
does that mean, Stephen, that they did it the whole game or that we knew the whole game they were capable of it? Or were they flying high just because they did it for the last seven minutes when they really, really needed to? Because the whole thing last year was like they actually ran it pretty well most of the time. They just didn't run it when they needed to. Maybe maybe in this game, they didn't run it all that well. I mean, they ran it okay. They probably should have run it more, actually. And Nathan, we'll get into that. You're saying the play calling. But then when they needed to, they ran it well. They ran it 10, 10 times in a 14-play drive and put the game away. But 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 the attitude, I thought, post-game was like, we came out and we were tough and we ran it. It was like, well, in the end, I don't know if he did that the first three quarters. That's such a heat of the moment thing, all those comments. But there is something to the, we did it when we needed to do it. And that's fine if you wanted to send that message, the whole – it's third and one. Everybody knows you're running the ball. You got to be able to get convert the first down. That stuff is cool, even though they tried it one time and they didn't get it. We have to point that out as well. But let's just keep it a buck here. Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't leave the game, and CJ goes out here and he has 400 yards and four touchdowns, and Jackson's got a buck 50 and two scores, and they win this game. He'd be coming here talking about how, how well they played against a top five team. So we have to get into the Jackson stuff. First three quarters. Seven, excuse me, 19 rushing plays, 30 passing plays, Nathan. 19 rush, 30 pass. For a team that we know wants to be closer to to 50-50, right? And in the fourth quarter, 16 rush, four pass. So all the stuff that they were talking about that they did and felt good about, they did it in the fourth quarter. They actually did. They didn't do it the rest of the game. They didn't do it the rest of the game. Right. That's why Notre, That's why Marcus Freeman wasn't afraid to punt it to them because they kind of were running it okay, but they weren't running it very much, and they were throwing it a lot, and they weren't throwing it very well. We talked about how last season was such a departure for Ohio State that it, it threw off the, the balance, or not the balance, but the proportion of how they mix, run, and pass, but it was essentially even. That was what was off that instead of being usually even under Ryan Day, a little bit skewed to the run, they had kind of evened out. And that, as you point out, that was not the case. Through three quarters tonight, it was heavily skewed the other way. And I tried to ask Ryan Day about it post game, and I got an answer more about why they were running the ball late. But I knew why they were running the ball late, because it worked. But it worked early in the game, too, and they weren't doing it. And I I need to find a better way to phrase that for Tuesday afternoon to get the answer that we're looking for out of Ryan Day, because it seemed like they were just not interested in throwing the ball at all against Notre Dame for three you quarters. Mean, you mean they weren't interested in running the ball? Running, interested in running the ball, yes. Against Notre Dame for three quarters. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the game that it reminded me of the most was the Northwestern Big Ten Championship game in 2020. Obviously, they didn't have Trey Sermon who ended up doing what he did in that game, but you obviously you had a compromised uh, C.J. Stroud, or I mean Justin Fields in that game. Uh, so C.J. Stroud was not hurt in this game, but you also had some missing receivers in that game, and despite those things, they seemed insistent on throwing the ball. You even had Brandon Joseph playing center for both of these teams, uh, or safety, I mean, for, for both these teams. Um, and they seemed like intent on throwing the ball until finally like relenting late in the game and being like, okay, I guess we'll just run the ball and win. And I, I'm, I need to go back and watch the film. Maybe there is something that we'll see there where you'd be like, okay, well, that it makes sense that he, he, saw this thing that they were going to keep throwing against, but 
to me and to like everybody that I was interacting with, like I know a lot of our texters were like, why, why aren't they running the ball more? It didn't make any sense. There was a point late in this, like well into the third quarter where they were averaging 4.5 yards per run and 4.8 yards per att- pass attempt. That is not the ratio you want. That right. is a, that is a failed ratio. So I was joking that the way Ryan Day, and we asked him about this after the game, the way Ryan Day was talking, it was almost like, like he couldn't, he couldn't wait to like shed this label of a passing offense and embrace this running defensive team. And I thought, you know, at the end of the first quarter, Ohio State honored the 2002 national championship team. There were a gazillion, there were like 90 guys on the field for that. Staffers and players. I mean, there were a ton of players there. And Jim Tressel was there. And then two of the players grabbed him and put Tress up on their shoulders. And they were spinning him around a little bit in the middle of the field. And I was joking that at that moment, maybe Ryan Day looked out onto the field and saw Jim Tressel as a champion on the shoulders of his players and thought to himself, I'm going to be Jim Tressel. Maybe not forever, but at least for tonight. And, well, and, as, and maybe not for the first three quarters. But as it turns out, if that's what happened, he looked at him at the end of the first quarter and then he pocketed that thought and then brought it out in the fourth quarter because he didn't do it. He didn't do it for another two quarters because and I again, I wasn't here for the first four years of Trestle. One, two, three, four. But I was here for the last six. And all I covered was people wanting Jim Trestle to be Ryan Day. Back then, they, they wanted Jim Trestle to be Mike Marks. That was like came up all the time. Mike Marks, Mike Marks, greatest show on turf. Why can't you be like that? And Jim Trestle was run the ball, defense. don't put your defense in a bad position, special teams. And then like Ryan Day embraced that. Ryan Day, at the thing is, after the game, Nathan, Ryan Day embraced that philosophy and ethos and idea wholeheartedly. And I guess none of us had the heart. You tried. And he wouldn't acknowledge it, but none of us had the heart to be like, well, for one quarter, <laughs> right? Because he was vibing right. on we're tough. And it's that like, was, eh, for one quarter. It was a question I was trying to ask was because yeah. he had said, he, he said in the post game, yeah. he said in the post game, um, we got the running game going there in the fourth quarter. So my question to him was like, well, you said you got the running game going in the fourth quarter, but essentially is what I'm asking. Like, it seemed like you weren't, doing the running game for the it wasn't that the running game wasn't going in the first quarter you weren't doing the running game in the first three quarters the, the very uh, few times you ran it early it worked and you said nah, nah. i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> he should have just so, came out in a sweater vest and went full jim Trussell. yeah wouldn't that be great not actually answered questions real what? monotone voice yeah so and I think t- and a title in the second year is ahead. I, that's you know what I mean. It's one of those <laughs> things. It's like it's funny. It's like for all the things that I mean, Tressel is a great coach, right? Ohio State fans love him. For all the fan, for all the things he wasn't, he won a national title and he made two other national title games and he dominated the Big Ten and went nine and one against Michigan. So it's like <laughs> the people in the end. Obviously, everybody knows this. Like he had so much success, people were sort of tired of the formula. Even though it wasn't that it wasn't successful. It was that it couldn't handle the SEC, and it was boring. And so now Ryan Day's not boring, but Nathan Ryan Day wants to be boring, but he only was boring for the fourth quarter. So I just yeah, I, I just I, I think when there if there are fans out there that hear him say we wanted to win ugly, we need to know how to win ugly. 
and it hits their ears the wrong way, I don't really blame them because I think there's a difference between winning ugly because you were just in a fight with Mike Tyson and he like pounded on you, but, and you're going to come out all beaten and bruised and ugly, but you still beat Mike Tyson. That's just how you have to beat Mike Tyson. It's different than if you like, uh, keep tripping and falling and that's how you bang your face up and if and that's why you come out looking ugly and you win almost in spite of your ugliness. what you're trying to do yeah so <laughs> I, if, if there's a fan out there who thinks like well if is that how we're gonna have to win ugly like we we do some things offensively for three quarters of the game that seem like maybe they don't make that much sense and then we finally figured out in the fourth i don't think that's how fans like to win ugly i don't know if they appreciate that the same way i do th- this is life this is society this is where we are this is just people this is dr seuss right the got the 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 got the, the yellow belly guys with stars on their stomachs and then all the other yellow belly people get stars on their stomachs. And then the star people are like, well, I don't want stars on my stomachs anymore. Cause like nobody wants what they have. They want to, they want what the other person has. So when Jim Trestle was here, people didn't want to win with defense yep. and running game and special teams. They wanted to throw the ball. And now they Steven, they're not, they're not, the ball. they're not tired of it, but we have spent the whole off season on defense and running the ball. And I do, and people want the silver bullets back. And people want toughness back. And so like it's, it's, and, and the, I will say when I asked Ryan day, not that this is, I, you know, it's not a burden or whatever, but it doesn't seem like you were interested in trying to shake a label or whatever. And he was like, yes. And then he did one of those where like, he says a thing very fast and he says, mm-hmm. well, we can still throw it when we want to. Like, yeah. and I think he said, want like he, like he knows it's like, Oh, it was cool. It was cool to win ugly for a quarter but guess what cj stroud's still our quarterback and jackson smith and jigba's still our best receiver and i'm still pretty good at calling pass plays so we're still going to be able to steven he he is not doubting the passing game but on a night and let's get to this here steven let's do this now because you've been sort of poking around on this yeah they didn't have jackson jackson had two catches for three yards they didn't have jackson smith and jigba he was out he was in, then he got hurt, then he was out, then he was back in sporadically, but he was kind of limping, and he clearly was never himself. Holly Rowe on the, the game from the sideline, I guess, reported hamstring or knee or something, leg issues. Ryan Day said he expects to have him next week. So a minor thing, but he wasn't himself. Is it – I don't know, Stephen. People might be enthused about the way they ran the ball in the fourth quarter only. But no one's worried about the passing game, right? Because, and, and I don't think Ryan Day was worried about the passing game because Jackson Smith and Jacob was hurt for this one. Enough equity has been built in with this passing game and the way that they've developed quarterbacks and wide receivers and the, recruited those positions that you're allowed an anomaly every so often where it just doesn't look right especially when you lost your best weapon. What makes it weird is we, especially me, have spent a lot of time over the past year talking about C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and the Jigba's connection and how their skill sets bring out the best in each other. And C.J. lost that on Saturday night. And we think Emeka Ibuka is going to be really good here. We think Marvin Harrison is going to be really good here. We think Jaden Ballard's got a high ceiling. We can keep going down the list. But 
I think tonight we all realize just how much, just how elite Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigbo were, just because they were five yards open every time they went out for a route. And that was not the case tonight with these three guys. They're, now they had their moments. They had some good moments. I'm not saying I'm not saying they sucked, but there is a very big difference between I'm five yards open, plus I kind of have a high IQ and know what I'm doing out here versus you're young and experienced. You're not always five yards open, and you don't have that same connection and chemistry with your starting quarterback. And Notre Dame secondary was a weak part of this Notre Dame defense, so that wasn't yep. it. It wasn't – I mean, I thought Notre Dame's pass defense was better than I expected, but they still not are, li- to do are limited did. there compared to a lot of other teams that, that Ohio State's going to face. Go ahead, Nathan. Well, I was going to say – I do think it's maybe important to remember that like what is the what is the essence of Ohio State football right now? It's Ryan Day and the the offensive concepts and personnel that he brings in. Yes. That is what this so well not Notre anymore. Dame's, not anymore because they, they well, shut that label check. after the fourth. Yeah, they're tough. <laughs> but Notre Dame is the opposite of that. Notre Dame is Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman was a linebacker. He's been a defensive coordinator. He is known as a defensive mind. He is defensive oriented. He's got Al Golden, who's been a longtime defensive coordinator at various levels. Like I, I that was, I, I, I'm not that surprised that Notre Dame played pretty well defensively because it's more the essence of their program right now. So, I, I give some credit for that, and 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 for some credit to the disruption that it likely caused Ohio state uh, CJ Stroud himself brought up though. This is like, we were, we were talking a little bit about how CJ talked about this game. One of the things that I think was a, a positive uh, for Ohio state was the way he talked about efficiency that it's not, he knows it's not about the sheer numbers that you've got to be efficient with it. And they weren't efficient early. They were efficient later when it counted Marcus Freeman in his post game was talking about, there was a, a couple of plays that he just kind of shook his head about and you could you could sense the frustration in his voice and he was talking about one specific play where he's like I'm standing right there on the sideline I'm looking at him I'm seeing him getting ready to throw the ball Michael well, there's no way he's going to complete this and he, I think he might have been talking about the the pass to Mayan Williams it was like a massively crucial play along the sideline in the second half of this drive. game yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh you know who knows what happens if they don't complete that pass and we didn't think he did uh we were shocked because it's on the opposite side of the field from us we were a little surprised that that was a completed pass on first glance so uh, you know it 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 was it was a this wasn't an easy game this wasn't an easy team just to move the ball against i think the state could have done approached it differently and maybe it made it easier on themselves but i i do give notre dame some credit for for just being better than we thought they were going to be i as a whole defensively well i do agree with some of the sentiment that it's not that shocking that a defensive minded head coach the defense was a really good unit and had some moments we all set up on this preview pod and talked about how Notre Dame is not going to be able to keep up with Ohio State's wide receivers. They did much more than just keep up. And Jackson didn't play. So, like, that, it, it is. It's yes. hard because and, that's and the main guy that we didn't think – and Fleming, right. And and yeah. Cam Babb, which I think theoretically is three of your best five guys. Yeah, yeah. but – Right, because Brian Hartline – Cam Babb was already hurt. Brian Hartline said there's six guys they trust, right? Harrison Ekbuka, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, Julian Fleming, 
Jaden Ballard and Xavier Johnson. So Cam Babb's already out, but he had like seven guys you trust. And when Jackson was out, three of those seven are out. And you got to put three receivers on the field most of the time. Yeah. So that means either Jaden Ballard or second year Jaden Ballard, who had a good offseason, but most people don't think is quite ready for all that yet, or former walk on Xavier Johnson are on the field. And they went 12 a, l- a little bit more, but not a ton more. It wasn't like Mitch Rossi played 50 snaps. And the, the touchdown that mattered went to Xavier Johnson, who, by the way, it was very lovely. CJ was legitimately enthusiastically thrilled with the idea that Xavier Johnson as a former walk-on who has fought through a lot of things, they were out in the post game together. And like, you could see there were moments when Xavier Johnson was talking and CJ was just looking at him and just was filled with joy. And who doesn't love the story of, of a hard fought walk-on getting an opportunity and taking advantage of it and helping his team win. And Xavier Johnson was very, uh, inspiring and like kind of emotional. He almost got choked up a couple times talking about it. And that's great. I can't believe Ohio state had to throw the go ahead touchdown to a walk on. Like, what that's are we what, doing? Yes. Like that's how, is, how did we get to that point? This is not a, a Xavier Johnson and Jaden Ballard conversation because we get it. They shouldn't have been in that position. This is a Marvin Harrison, a Mecca conversation. Did you guys think they played well today? Uh, Marvin was not the guy that we talked about all offseason. He had a touchdown in his hands in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And it, he, when he hit the ground, it popped out on the first drive of the game. And then beyond that, it, I don't know. He was not very impactful. Now, they fed Emeka because there was no one else. He's to go to. And he, right. And he was in the slot at times. So, so like, that's how this pro- offense works. He was productive. I mean, his numbers are pretty good. I didn't think he was electric and there were times there was at least like one and i have terrible memory i can't even remember the game that happened three hours ago he ended up with um nine catches for 90 yards on Mm -hmm. 12 targets marvin had five catches for 56 yards and 11 targets so that's not as great but there was i think there was one catch where i think Emeka just caught one of those balls like a little curl out in the middle of the field right the kind of stuff yeah. Jackson catches all the time that Jackson catches and adds 40 yards to before you can blink your eye, right? Where he yeah. catches the ball between defenders in the middle of the field and explodes. And there was like one play where I thought a mecca caught a ball in the middle of the field. And I was like, watch out, here comes the explosion. And then like a guy tackled him. And mm-hmm. I was like, that was fine. That was good. But it wasn't what I was expecting because what I was expecting was a normal play turned into an explosive game changer by the Ohio state slot receiver, because that's what I assume now. And it didn't happen. And frankly, Stephen, like I think maybe CJ Stroud was waiting for that. I think maybe Ryan day was waiting for that, which goes back to the, when you lose Jackson, it's not that the guys aren't good, but I didn't think, I don't know that anybody in the past game did more on a play than they should have required. Yes. I caught the ball that was thrown to me. And then the first guy I got to tackled me the guys last year. They did more than they were supposed to do all the time. That is not a criticism of the current guys. It is a reality about how this game played out. And that is why. Yes. Say Jackson's back next week and we're all back to normal. Cool. Is Jackson just going to have like 18 catches every single week? Cause he's the only dude who can like do that. 
or well, if he's going to get to two thousand yards, he better. So I, I mean, know. yes. So <laughs> for, for, for the sake of our pod, yes. But at some point, especially those two, Ameka and Marvin, because even uh, Julian Fleming didn't play. Cool. We don't know what Julian Fleming is yet, so we can't use him as an excuse of oh, he didn't play. I just we can throw Jackson in that category. We can't throw anybody else there. I didn't see anything this Saturday, this first game that made me go, ooh, this re- passing game is going to be just as crazy as it was last year. Now, a lot can change. It's only one game. And just like with CJ, how he got better every week. These guys can get better every week. Yes. But I was underwhelmed. Yeah. I think that's fair. Nathan, it's a, it's, it's a high standard. It is. Yeah. But they the made standard. their own high standard. Brian Hartline doesn't want to lower the standard. Ryan Day doesn't want to lower the standard. And I don't think, Nathan, in week one, they lived up to their own high standard, which is why. But and maybe it goes back again. Most of the time, it's like I, the pod like last week is like we started in one place. And by the end, we had talked ourselves into Ryan Day being a genius because they have three kickers. And then a fourth <laughs> kicker kicked <laughs> off today. I don't even know who that kicker was. I'm not sure it was a real person. So the fourth kicker kicked off. And then, by the way, of all those kickers they have, the one they put on the field missed a 39 yard <laughs> field goal that, frankly, was not a great time to miss a 39-yard field goal. But Nathan, I I like that's it's a high standard and it was fine. But maybe Nathan, that's why Ryan Day hung on to it for three quarters. It's like, well, I guess we just hand it to Mayan Williams because he's waiting, knowing, well, Mecca's gonna get going, Marvin's gonna get going, CJ's gonna figure it out. I do, Nathan, sometimes get the idea. Now this feels like one of those things we could have a two-hour conversation with Ryan Day about this. When you're so talented, Nathan, if it's not working, you assume if you keep trying, it'll eventually work. So I get why you don't abandon the pass right away, even though the run's sitting there for you. It's like, it's just because Ryan Day likes to throw. And I know, the, but right? Like, why didn't they go to the run game earlier? Well, because he was waiting for a Mecca Buka to turn a nine-yard route into a 50-yard game. Because that's what these guys do. And then when it never happened, they finally ran it to ice the game late. Is that why? Is that an excuse or an explanation, Nathan, for why they didn't run more earlier? I guess so. Except when they did run it, it was successful. It was as much or more successful than when they were throwing the ball. It just... it's it's a combination of the two. It, it's it's not just that they weren't throwing it. It's it or it's not just that they weren't. It wasn't that they weren't running it at all. But when they did run it, they were being successful with it. And they just weren't doing it enough. I two things I wanted to say, just yeah. kind of in, in follow up to what you guys said. Uh, you're we're, it's true that we still don't really know what Julian Fleming will do when he's out there, really in a full time role. But we know he was with the ones like consistently through preseason camp. Like we know that was his spot. So he would have gotten the targets that went to Jaden Ballard yes. and, and Xavier Johnson. Again, Xavier Johnson credit for the two hugest catches of the game, really. Um, also, too, when Jackson Smith was in a game, it, 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 this analogy doesn't work quite the same for football as it does for basketball, but I think it also changes the way they get defended a little bit, probably. For sure. That for there's, sure. Yes. There's, there's a gravity that he has around him. And I think Notre Dame probably helps on him in ways that don't, they didn't have to. And so 
it just changes a lot of those defensive matchups if he's able to play this game. So I don't think he is going to have to catch 18 passes each week. I think just by being on the field, it's going to change other guys being open, other guys having opportunities. And I do think that would make sense that Jackson Smith and Jigba makes everybody better. Marvin Harrison and Mekic Buka are potentially good, but I don't think they make anybody better yet. Right. And and I made a, a comparison with the texters during the game that when Jackson went out, and then he did come back a little bit here and there. But it's an extreme comparison, and I acknowledge that. But it reminded me a little bit of when Ted Ginn Jr. got hurt on the opening kickoff for the 2006 national title game and was lost for the game. And it was like, well, I guess we have to burn the playbook now because everything that Ohio State and Jim Trestle supposedly were going to do in that game was built around Ted Ginn Jr. because nobody's like Ted Ginn Jr. Guess what? Emeka Book is great. Nobody on this roster is like Jackson Smith and Jigba. And just by being on the field, Ted Ginn Jr. made everybody else in that offense better. You take him off, it's much easier to defend the other 10 guys. You take Jackson Smith and Jigba off the field, Stephen, it's much easier to defend. So listen, most of the time when Marvin and Emeka are out there, it's going to be with Jackson. So they'll look better. And it's a, maybe it's okay that they didn't look like all Americans when the Notre Dame pass defense was geared to stop them because they were no longer worrying about Jackson Smith and Jigba. And again, in the reverse theory of receivers getting open, you know who would not have been that open down the seam out of the slot on the go-ahead touchdown pass? Jackson Smith and Jigba, because he would never blitz two safeties and leave one slot guy on Jackson. But they were like, I don't know. This guy's a former walk-on. We'll blitz both safeties. And as a result, Xavier was more open than JSN ever would have been. I don't know. That was a wild play call. That's where the benefit of the doubt is built in because, yeah, and also you just spent the last nine months game planning for this, and that's nine months of game planning with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Had this game happened in week seven, maybe I'm not underwhelmed because Amaka or Marvin has – because you could say the same thing last year. What if, you know, Garrett or Chris had been missing against Minnesota – Jackson probably would not have done what he did against Nebraska in week one, just because he would not have been ready to do that in his first start. So yes, I, while I am underwhelmed, I am not out on any of the, any of my driving the bus from Marvin Harrison or thinking of Mecca was going to be good. It's just, they were put in a tough spot and because they were put in a tough spot, they didn't necessarily pop the way you would expect two guys. We've been raving about for nine months to pop. All right. Jackson Smith and Jigba, two catches tonight. Anybody know how many he had in the season opener last year? He had two. 17. Two. two. And then blew up in the second week. So, yeah. again, I think they're weird passing night. We'll see how the dynamic changes when he's back in the fold and how other guys play off of that. Two more things I want to cover before we get out of here. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, last two questions I want to talk to directly about C.J. Stroud, and I want to talk about where we think this puts Ohio State in the national picture at the moment. I just thought the post game from C.J. Nathan, and listen, uh, uh, C.J. is mature, and he's thoughtful, and he's honest. And um, I, I don't think, like, 
you know, it's not like the moment was too big for him or anything, but like he just wasn't at his best. And that's nobody's at their best every week. But given that this is his second year as a starter, given how, how much we talked about how smart he is and how connected he is to Ryan Day, I did think maybe, hey, guess what? Jackson Smith and Jigba's out. I'm just going to carry the team by myself. And listen, those two, the, the two best plays he made were both rollouts to, to the sideline where he had to find a guy at the last second, and he did it once with Ekbuka, and he did it once with Mayan Williams, and without those plays, they might lose. So I'd even ask CJ, hey, how about you winning with, with defense and, and the run game? He was like, yeah, that was great. You know, I mean, I did make some throws when we really needed them, which was like, yes, you, you are correct. When there were a couple plays that he absolutely made on his own, but they didn't make a ton of plays, Nathan, like in the rhythm of the passing game. I just thought he sort of said, hey, I hadn't played football in a game for eight months. And then first games are always kind of weird, which is sort of like, well, that's sort of how the seasons work. You know, you don't play football year round. So, you know, like that's, I mean, that's true for everybody. So I I thought it was just an interesting thing to say. And then there was just the tiniest, tiniest hint, Nathan, that I do think last year, CJ made it very clear that he heard the criticisms early on. And I don't know, did I get a slight impression that he's been hearing the praise he's he's heard the Heisman hype he's heard that he's a favorite he's heard that he might be the not I wasn't overwhelmed by it I just thought I assume CJ CJ Stroud would come out and own this season from the jump and I thought he was a little off and then afterward he was like well you know how it is sometimes you're off and it's like I kind of thought we were past that it's not a criticism but I did say this if you have a bet on C.J. Stroud to win the Heisman, I don't know if you feel great right now. It doesn't mean he can't win it, but he didn't come out and seize it, Nathan, in a way that I thought he would. And then even when you lose your best receiver, it's almost like, all right, well, now I'm going to do it with walk-ons. This is my time, right? And that didn't quite happen either. So I'm not like ringing, I'm not, sounding the alarm at all. I just thought it was a weird game from CJ Stroud that I wasn't expecting. I agree. I was waiting for that moment too. And I think it is okay to say like, Hey, sometimes you're off and, uh, uh, but not if you're the best vying to be the best player in college football, that's a higher standard. Like you, that's, that's what separates that is, is the guy um, when, when, when things are awry, when you don't have your best receiver, you make somebody else, you know, you get it done some other way. And that was lacking for more of this game than I expected it to be. I do give him credit for, for, again, some of the throws he made late in the game and the decisions he made late in the game. And some of it was, some of it was the, like the read that he did on the, the touchdown pass to Johnson. Some of it was like moving out with his feet and keeping that play alive and, and finding Williams for that big completion along the sideline. So he did make those plays, but I agree with you that I thought, this offense was still going to have enough other talent that when they had that hiccup that he would find a way to kind of turn the afterburners on a little bit. And I'm not necessarily making a season long judgment off of that not happening tonight. It's just kind of something that I'm will have in the back of my mind as you go forward into these future games. 
CJ didn't come out in game one of his second year as a starter the way Justin Fields came out in game one of his second year as a starter. But also, this Notre Dame team is so much better than that Nebraska team Justin Fields played. It's another one of those, like, CJ's playing better competition than Justin had to play in his career here. I think we also might be a little too close to this. I agree with what you guys are saying, which is why I'm throwing myself in that. Because we're saying he didn't do some stuff, but also he was running around and buying a lot of time to make some of these throws. And also, he threw a 24-yard touchdown pass to a walk-on to take the lead. I know, but we said it was a goofy call. He was wide open. It's like the routes that hot. You I know, I know, I, I know. But even open. when, it, yes, you're right. Good read. I'm agreeing. I, you're right, which is why I think we're too close to this because the average stupid Heisman Trophy voter is just going to hear C.J. Stroud through a touchdown pass to a walk-on to take the lead in the third in the at the end of the third quarter against a top five opponent when his best weapon wasn't on the field anymore no i think they're gonna say through for 223 and two touchdowns when bryce young had five touchdowns today even though bryce young played a team one tenth as good as notre dame yeah i don't know i think it was a bad day for his heisman campaign i think it was a bad it was the game of the week it was the game of the week it was the biggest game in college football and he was fine, you know? So, like, he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. If he was bad, they would. That's the thing. If he was bad. Thing, he wasn't, they he wasn't bad, he was bad, but he wasn't bad, awesome either. No, he right. was just and, kind but, of fine. Stetson Bennett threw for 368 against I know. the number 11 team in the country. And he and, has no receivers know, either. I, we're, we're being very complimentary of Notre Dame tonight, or at least somewhat complimentary of Notre Dame tonight, after we had all picked Ohio State to win this game pretty comfortably although Doug you had given the caveat you thought it was going to be a one score game going into the fourth quarter whatever but uh, we all thought this was going to be a 40 point Ohio State game and I do think Notre Dame played well defensively has good players defensively I don't know this is the best defense Ohio State's going to see all season I think Wisconsin's pretty good and they they've only got a couple of weeks to, to figure this out before they see Wisconsin and again if Jackson Smith the jig was healthy if Julian Fleming's healthy that'll make it easier but that could be a that could be a tougher test than this was. And I do and, think like he took he took one sack, but when he was moving around and rolling out and stuff, I didn't think he was running for his life. It was more like there was nobody open and he was just trying yeah. to stand the movement. And I think they are gonna maybe Paris Johnson did a good job on Foskey, on Isaiah Foskey, really who might be a first rep pick. There's a there's a there's a rep, I think maybe in the first series where like Paris just Foskey tries to make an inside move and and mm-hmm. Paris just like throws him to the ground and then like jumps on top of him and like he's pinning him in a WWE match. And it's just like, well, okay, yeah. that's how Paris, like it was, I mean, it was, I'm not saying it was a penalty. It was like, it was a dominant rep. It was a dominant rep. So CJ didn't have guys in his face, but I did think they played pretty good coverage sometimes. So I, I, I mean, I'm agreeing with you, Nathan. I just like, they were, they, they had a, they had a good defensive plan. I think it's possible they face Ohio state faces three better defenses the rest of this year, right? I don't know. Penn State, I mean, Michigan, Wisconsin, I don't know. Yeah, I don't Maybe know. Iowa? People um, may have watched that Penn State-Purdue game on um, Thursday night. You know, um, I don't remember what the final score of that game was, but one of those touchdowns was a, a pick six for Purdue. I mean, that was mm-hmm. – I thought Penn I – th- I, I liked what I saw from that Penn State defense for the most part that night. They've got some players, especially in the secondary, especially in the back end of that – that defense, um, you know, um, 
Michigan obviously took a hit, but there's there's still something there. I mean, there's 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 good defense. We know Ohio Iowa has a good defense because it has to have one uh, because it's playing offense too. It's scoring all the <laughs> points. So like it's I I I, I, yeah, I want to give Notre Dame credit, but it, it gets back. I think the reason we're stumbling on this a little bit too, though, is just that it, it's almost more like a feel thing. Isn't that kind of where we're getting at, Doug? That like it just didn't feel like it was supposed to. If in if, in yeah. Stroud's performance didn't feel like it was supposed to. When things were sticky, we kind of thought, well, this will be the time where he steps up and and does the thing, and kind of kind of happened. Kind of. What's yeah. the thing for a mind? Um, because that's part. Because we're just in the thing is. I'm going to take off and run. That's not Stroud's game. So what's the thing? I get, I mean, I guess the thing for the mind is they blitz both safeties. You see where the read is and you hit you the guy down walk on? Go ahead, touchdown. Yeah. That's why, like, we, I, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. I also just think we might, because we cover this team, be a little too close to it. But I will say, I don't think people around the country are saying, wow, CJ Stroud found a way to no. play. I think they're no, watching no, no, and saying, no. ah, he was fine. He might, he really seems like maybe his receivers really matter to him. So let's go to this last thing. This is not a question. Listen, Bama destroyed Utah state and USC blew out rice and a lots of good teams were playing bad teams. And Georgia then also destroyed the number 11 team in the country in Oregon. Who's, who's probably not as good as Notre Dame. Um, So it's not a question of what Ohio state would have done against Utah state. Nathan, it's not a question of what Ohio State would have done against Rice, but what might I guess specifically Alabama and Georgia, and I don't maybe we expand it, maybe USC, I don't know, done against Notre Dame because Notre Dame's good, but it feels like there are some teams who might have taken taken care of business against them tonight in a bigger way. I think, yeah, I think Alabama and Georgia both win this game more easily. It's what I was saying at the beginning, that I think, whereas before I thought there was that tier of three teams. In fact, I think there was even some sentiment that maybe there were two teams. And then Georgia was almost in its own tier, and then you had this big cluster. I I, I tend to think that now it might be Alabama-Georgia in one tier. And now Ohio State's at the top of the next tier, but I don't know. I, I, I do have questions after what I saw offensively tonight. And I, I have some decisions to make for that, that ballot on Tuesday morning. Bryce Young doesn't have elite wide receivers either. And we saw what happened when he lost his best weapons last year. So I'm not as quick to say that about Alabama as I am about Georgia, just because Georgia's offenses receivers are not wide they're an elite program to begin with. So I think defensively, maybe they don't, neither of those teams give up a touchdown. So instead it's, uh, they only give up three points, but offensively, I'm not comfortable saying that Bryce Young wouldn't have done any better than CJ would. Uh, I mean, Bama definitely had struggles last year. I mean, they should have lost to Auburn. Like it wasn't like Bryce yeah. up every week, but he did destroy Georgia in the SEC title game. And then when they lost, the receiver again in the championship yeah. game it was the georgia defense which is a different so that, that's what I'm saying. it's got to be the same concept of like so, 
what if Bryce Young lost his yeah. best weapon as well? Right. No, and that's that's the thing that hangs over this. Yeah. A thousand percent legitimately. Oh, what happened to Ohio State? Oh, oh, they lost their best player. Oh, boo-hoo. It's like, yeah, they lost their best that's fair. player. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. So best, I'm, you know how they have a really good player? Hit him, hit two catches for three yards, and they still won. What are we doing? So that could be the answer. And and it's one of these things like some, you know, you have to react in the moment. And we're just trying to tell you what we think, as always. But CJ could throw eight touchdown passes against Arkansas State next week, five of them to Jackson, and then it'll be like, can we re- can we erase? Can we this do this game again, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm I certainly don't think that's impossible. But coming out of this one, which is all that we have, that's all that we have. The defense played really well. We're all kind of agreeing. What we thought the defense needed to be, it was better than that. And that's not just tonight, but that's down the line. What the offense thought, what we thought it was, what we thought it would be and needed to be, it wasn't good enough. Now, we all agree on that. What will it be next? Well, you get Jackson Smith and Jigba back in. You give those other receivers a little more time under their belts, and they very well might be fine. Because I do think the Ohio State offensive line played pretty darn well. And CJ said that too. If, if they had been just, you know, in his grill, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, like their interior offensive line is what we thought of that kind of thing. I don't, I don't think we're at a place like that. So, okay, that's going to do it for this edition of Buckeye Talk. We'll be back with another pod on Monday. Go ahead and read cleveland.com/osu, and as always, you are welcome to try the texts at six one four three five zero. Three three one five. Hi to Owen and Jesse. Isn't that interesting? Two guys I met. It's like Jesse Owens. It's Jesse and Owen, uh, who said hello at the game. And um, thanks to everybody who listens. Thanks to everybody who reads Cleveland.com. That's one down. Eleven regular season games to go. Oh, LeBron was there too. We saw that. he he was at the game, and so was Chase Young, and Justin Fields, and Jeff Okuda. And- Bradley Roby and Draymond Jones and Baron Browning and a bunch of guys. So Jason Tatum was at the game. Jason Tatum, oddly. Whatever, man. Um, so that's it. Nathan Baird, he was at the game. I saw him there. He was in the I was in the press box elevator with him. So all kinds of weird famous people there. For Nathan Baird. The weird and, slash famous. Yeah. <laughs> the weird, the famous, the weirdly famous, the weird famous. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Lee Marie said that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>